0: Welcome to ADHD SOS. We've heard your call, and don't worry, help is on the way. This is the only podcast that combines mindset skills, cognitive psychology, and the motivational pep talks you need to beat procrastination and achieve peak performance. Join me, your host and fellow ADHDer, Tina L as we journey from SOS to smooth sailing. Welcome back SOS squad today. Today, we are talking about how to permanently transform your anxiety. Thank God. As a child, I was anxious constantly. And I had no idea. But if you had asked me how I was feeling at any given moment, I probably would have responded, you know, I feel like I can't take a deep breath and I feel like I can never keep up. And this is just what I believed it was like to live life in my body and in my life. I had no choice in the matter. This is just how things are. I was on a hamster wheel, never feeling like I could do enough and never feeling like I was enough. And all the while, I held my breath just trying to survive it all. I think I might have learned breath holding from my decade as a competitive swimmer. At my peak, I could swim a 50 meters race without taking a single breath. The idea behind the breathless 50 meters is that you give it your all. Your legs burn and you're desperate for air, but you get to the wall faster because you didn't waste time breathing. And of course, once you hit the wall at the end, you immediately recover. You start with many heaving deep breaths and then quickly your breathing settles down and goes back to normal. It's satisfying because you know you gave it your all and it's a relief because you can breathe again. You can breathe again and you can relax. But in real life, I felt like I never hit the wall. I never finished the race. There was always more to do. I was always behind. I just kept on holding my breath, hoping that at some point a finish line would magically appear and I could let it all go. Once I reached this imagined finish line, I could feel the satisfaction of having given it my all. And I could feel the relief of being able to breathe again. I could relax. Well, that finish line never did appear. And when I started to have full-on regular panic attacks in my 30s, I finally accepted that anxiety is and has always been my constant travel companion. And it was also at that point that I recognized that if I wanted to maintain a big and full life— Anxiety and I would need to develop a different relationship. In this episode, I will explain why, as it turns out, it's totally unsurprising that anxiety co-occurs with ADHD, and I'll share a super practical and science-backed tool that you can use to start transforming your anxiety right away. So, here's why anxiety and ADHD are lovebirds that were meant for each other. So, anxiety is all about uncertainty about the future. And at the core of ADHD is the uncertainty that we will be able to take action when necessary in the future. Oh, yeah. Dr. Russell Ramsey, one of the foremost ADHD researchers, says that quote, ADHD by its nature is an uncertainty generating condition and thus ADHD is an anxiety generating condition. In fact, according to Dr. Ramsey, the most common diagnosis to coexist with ADHD out of all of them is anxiety, the very most common. Dr. Ramsey explains the formula as anxiety, Plus ADHD equals, I know I need to do something, plus I can't get myself to do that something. And what you get is increased anxiety. In other words, I know I can do it, but I don't know if I can do it now. The anxiety is rooted in ADHD because it comes from our inconsistent self-regulatory efficacy and executive functioning. What is self-regulatory efficacy? Well, it's our perception of our ability to resist temptation and to avoid high-risk activities. (laughs) OMG. In other words, do you believe you can resist going down the rabbit hole of social media and get your work done? Do you believe you can resist binge eating, the drugs, the desire to do something, anything more fun and interesting than the thing you said you would do. And executive functions, what are those? Those are the mental processes that drive willpower and decision making and are the way that people avoid distractions. In other words, can you focus on command, including for things that are not personally interesting or motivating? If you have doubt in either of these, your self-regulatory efficacy or executive functioning, then you live with an immense amount of uncertainty. And if you live with an immense amount of uncertainty, you almost definitely live with anxiety. Ooh, that's, that's a tough one. ADHD, by its definition, throws these mental abilities into question. Neither of these mental abilities works consistently for us, which is obvious. And because of this, we don't know if we can do the things we need to do to support our survival and well-being. Will it be a good brain day or will it be a bad brain day? Uncertainty is a part of existence for all humans, but for us ADHDers, it can be tightly woven into the most basic of activities. Like, can I focus my brain on this task? Can I make a meal for myself? Can I freaking clean these dishes? Ah. The answer to these basic questions can be impossible to know and totally out of our control. For me, the core of my anxiety was always this thought that if I needed to save my own life, I don't always know that I could. And by that, I mean, I don't always know that I can get myself to do the thing that's best for me. And I don't know that I can depend on myself to do what needs doing. This creates a vacuum of fear and uncertainty. And anxiety swoops in to fill that vacuum. Anxiety gives me the illusion that if I just grip hard enough, hold my breath for long enough, contract myself tightly enough around this problem, I can somehow stay in control. Anxiety believes that it's the one who can take the wheel in an emergency, or even stop an emergency from happening. But what if what it really does is pump the brakes? Want to know an awesome ADHD hack? Become a follower of the show and new episodes will be served to you automatically when they become available. No need to remember to have to go looking for new episodes. Fresh survival strategies will be delivered straight to the homepage of your favorite player. On Spotify, click on the name of the show and click follow under the picture of me. And on Apple Podcasts, click on the name of the show, click on the three dots on the right-hand side and select follow. I can't wait for you to join the SOS squad. I know, I know, I know, I know. I hear you. I hear you so clearly on the other end. They're telling me that anxiety is the only way you get things done. Anxiety is my gas pedal, you say, not my brakes. Anxiety does take the wheel in the 11th hour, and it helps you cross the finish line when motivation and inspiration don't show up on the scene earlier. But I have a question for you. How enthusiastic do you feel about repeating that performance? How excited do you feel about pulling the all-nighter for the fifth time? (laughs) And how motivated do you feel about spending the rest of your freaking life in a state of emergency? Because that's the thing. Anxiety is supposed to be temporary. It creates the adrenaline that helps us run from the tiger but that's about how long it's healthy to experience anxiety, just long enough to get you out of dodge. When it's our everyday fuel source, our nervous systems get out of whack. It's a very typical when you have elevated stress over time to develop very serious generalized anxiety and depression. For me it led to chronic air hunger which I learned is the medical term for that feeling, like I couldn't take a full breath. And, of course, regular panic attacks that involved losing consciousness. But here's the even bigger kicker. And this is where the argument that using anxiety as a productivity tool totally falls apart. Anxiety creates havoc for our brain functioning. Dr. Ramsey says... Pouring anxiety on ADHD is like trying to put out a fire with gasoline. This is why chronic anxiety over time promotes procrastination. Anxiety is a direct route to task avoidance because our brains literally cannot get on board with the task because they're too caught up in worry. Anxiety is a frenetic energy that exacerbates our executive dysfunction and our ability to self-regulate. I have a toolkit brimming with different strategies to reduce anxiety, but today I want to highlight a really powerful method that comes from the psychiatrist, neuroscientist, and author of Unwinding Anxiety, Dr. Judson Brewer. Dr. Brewer hits on something that I found to be really profound. He explains anxiety in a single word. Habit. He explains that to form any habit, you need a trigger, a behavior, and a result. And that result has to be rewarding in some way. This part stopped me in my tracks for a beat, I'll be honest. I mean, how in the world is anxiety rewarding? Anxiety is terrible. I can't stand it. How is anxiety possibly rewarding me? But then he explains something which I think makes so much sense. He says, That feeling of anxiety triggers the mental behavior of worrying. And that mental behavior of worrying gives us the reward of feeling like we're in control. Or at least we're doing something which feels better than doing nothing. Then next time we're feeling anxious, our brain says, Oh, last time we worried. We should do that again. The reward is that false sense of control. If I grip tightly enough, if I bear down as hard as I can on this problem, if I hold my breath for long enough, I'll be able to control the outcome. For me, this resonates at my core. I have this delusion <laughs> This delusion that if I stay worried, this plane won't crash. I won't get into a car accident. I won't lose control of myself and my life. There is a part of me, deep in there, that thinks that if I gave up worry, my house of cards would all come crashing down. Or to put it another way, my worry is what's holding everything together. And it's this, this false belief that worry is an effective way of controlling my circumstances, that keeps it going, that reinforces the reward that I'm getting. And at the same time, when I look at this clearly, I can recognize that it's a total delusion. I can recognize that worry doesn't actually change anything. Worry does not help me stay safe. It does not help the people around me stay safe. And it doesn't help me get things done. So what do we do about this? According to Dr. Brewer, this is how you kill the reward, the reward of believing you can control things through worry, that ingrains the habit loop. You interrogate worry to see if it's actually rewarding you the way it would have you believe. In order to identify your anxiety habit loops? Number one, identify the trigger. What is causing the anxiety? Number two, figure out what you do next. When you experience the trigger, do you worry, procrastinate, eat, drink, take drugs? And number three, what is the result? Does it create the outcome that I actually want? Am I actually more in control, or is it just a temporary feeling, an illusion of feeling in control? Dr. Brewer calls this process disenchanting your anxious actions. When he said this, it made me think about waking up from a spell. I've spent most of my life under the spell of anxiety as a way to protect myself and maintain control, and now I'm disenchanting myself. I'm breaking the spell or the illusion that I was ever in control in the first place. He says there's a simple trick to breaking the spell, which is that when you notice yourself worrying, ask yourself, what am I getting out of this? You can reveal worrying as being the fraud that it is and not actually the reward it appears to be by recognizing that worry has kept you up all night and not actually helped you produce the outcomes that you want. This is how we become disenchanted with worrying. Dr. Brewer proved this in an experiment on subjects with history of overeating. Through that experiment, he discovered that it only takes 10 to 15 times of someone really paying attention as they overeat for that reward to drop below zero. Okay, so let's say it works. We break this spell. What happens next? Brewer says we need a, quote, bigger, better offer for your brain. An alternative to worry is curiosity. Curiosity is a more helpful emotion in solving problems, and it doesn't come with that awful hair on fire feeling, (laughs) which is great. And all of that makes it a bigger, better offer for your brain. Curiosity also helps us get outside of ourselves. It helps us get an overhead view of ourselves and our situation. Curiosity for me often feels like zooming out, seeing myself from 3,000 feet above, while worry feels very zoomed in, like so close that all I can see is inevitable catastrophe. When I can embrace curiosity, I notice that it's easier to become the observer of myself instead of feeling totally enmeshed with my concerns. And from a place of curiosity, I just might learn that anxiety is just a vibration happening in my body and not necessarily something that needs changing. And just to be clear, recognizing the futility of my worry has not made it completely go away. But now when I notice anxiety, I can ask myself, what am I getting out of this? And what am I trying to control right now? And is this strategy working? The answer is almost always no. No, it's not effective. (laughs) It's not actually protecting me or allowing me to control my circumstances better. When I recognize that, I can start to relax my grip on things. No, Worry won't stop a plane from crashing or stop bad things from happening to me or the people I care about. And when I can remember this, I can remember to take a deep breath and invite in enough curiosity that I can see if there is a problem that I can solve. Can I control this or can't I? At the end of the day, transforming anxiety into a more productive emotion might just come down to that infamous serenity prayer. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things that I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. And now it's time for the Rescue Recap. When it's sink or swim, remember these key takeaways. SOS Squad. I hope this episode was profound for you. Let's break this thing down. Anxiety is the most common diagnosis to coexist with ADHD. And it turns out that that is totally unsurprising. Here's why. Anxiety comes from uncertainty about the future. And our future, including the immediate future, is more uncertain than most other humans because of self-regulatory issues and executive dysfunction. We are constantly questioning, am I going to be able to do what I mean to do? You may be thinking, well, I need my anxiety. I mean, how could I get anything done without my anxiety? And to that, I say, hashtag relatable. However, what I've learned from personal experience is that anxiety is a temporary fix with serious long-term repercussions, especially if it's your main driver. Not only is it not sustainable, but it's bad for our executive functions and our self-regulatory abilities, the exact mental processes that we would need to get things done in the first place. This is how anxiety leads straight to procrastination. We work ourselves up into a frenzy, and then the exact mental processes we would need to settle ourselves down and focus in on the task go even further off-line As Dr. Ramsey says, pouring anxiety on ADHD is like trying to put out a fire with gasoline. The solution, according to psychiatrist and neuroscientist Dr. Judson Brewer, is to recognize that anxiety is a habit with all the components of a habit. We have a trigger, something that sets off anxiety. We have a behavior, what we do when we're triggered. And we have a reward, which in the case of anxiety is the mistaken belief that anxiety is working to keep us safe and in control. The solution is to destroy the false reward. Reveal that thing for the fraud that it is. You can do this by recognizing when you're in the midst of worry and asking yourself straight up, what am I getting out of this? This is how you break the spell and disenchant your anxious actions. Then, you have to give your brain the bigger, better offer. Brewer proposes that a bigger, better offer to anxiety is curiosity. Curiosity is better because it has a problem-solving bias, which gives you a fighting chance of actually doing something about your concerns. Curiosity gives you a zoomed out perspective so that you can observe your circumstances more objectively. And curiosity is also better because it feels better in your body, like you're not going to die, (laughs) which sounds great, doesn't it? (laughs) So here's the challenge I want to leave you with this week. Try to notice yourself in a moment of worry and then try breaking the spell with a question What am I getting out of this? Listen carefully for the answer. If you notice that worry isn't actually solving a problem, give your brain a bigger, better offer. Try on curiosity and see if it helps you feel more proactive, more able to take on problems, and more clear-minded and focused. Ooh, I am rooting for you and I love you so much. SOS squad, over and out do you have a question about ADHD or an issue with productivity that you'd like to hear discussed on the show? I would love to throw you a lifeline. Send your SOS message to ADHD SOS podcast at gmail.com. That's ADHD SOS podcast at gmail.com. I can't wait to hear from you.